effort to uh, help us out, you know, with like whether that's gas money or just a time covering prayer and healing school as well. We have baskets up front too. Since this is a free class, we're not going to like ask you to actually, you know, we're not going to charge you any money for it. And like the CDs are optional as well. But if God does lay it on your heart, uh, we have some baskets up here as well. But there is absolutely no pressure from us. So not a, that's not why we do it. We just do it to help you guys and, uh, you know, believing that God is going to give us some revelation on some things. Amen. Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and get, uh, get started then. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight that, um, for the amazing revelation you've already brought us, God, that we are children of God, that we are your sons, we are your daughters, and God, we operate on behalf of you as if you were here, that as Jesus walked on the earth, the same spirit that raised him from the dead, that same spirit that anointed him to heal the sick, raise people from the dead, to call forth dead limbs, to restore hearing, sight. We thank you, Father, that same power lives in us, that same Holy Spirit, God, that we didn't get a Holy Spirit junior, we didn't get half of the Holy Spirit. God, we got the full thing. We got the full deal. So I thank you, Father, that just as your word says, that in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verses 5, it says that we lack no spiritual gift. We lack no spiritual endowment. God, tonight, as we operate and as we speak, um, that, your, that your Holy Spirit would do what he does, which is be the teacher tonight, that the words that I speak would be from you and... Um, God, we purpose in our hearts that we will be hearers of the word and doers of the word. That when we hear tonight, that we will get revelation that will change our life, that will change the way that we walk. God, we believe tonight that bodies are going to be healed, that emotions are going to be healed, that body function would return to normal. And God, that every lie that the enemy has put on us and every condition that the enemy has put on us or other people, that those things would lose their grip, would lose their power because there is no name above the name of Jesus. So Father, have your way tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week we talked about, um, back in lesson one, we talked about um, the will of God involving healing. Do you guys believe that it is God's will to heal you physically? Yes. Amen. We have to ask ourselves the question, why do we believe that it's God's will to heal us? Because we can't just base life, we said, off of the experiences that we have. We have to base it on something stronger. I gave you my testimony, and I won't rehash it because it takes probably 10 to 15 minutes, and I don't, because most of you guys have heard it. Um, the testimony about my heart, about how in 2011, my heart actually completely stopped beating. Um, my family had, had a history of heart conditions, and I died at the age of 17. God supernaturally brought me back to life and completely healed me, and I've been fine for the last eight years. Um, from my heart, my heart has been pumping normally, perfect blood flow, no issues, nothing since then. Our God is a healer. And we mentioned last week, too, that if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, if he was God the healer, he still is God the healer. He's not God I was. He says, I am. Right. Not I was, not I'm going to be. I will be sometimes. I, God, he's not I might be. He's I am. Right. And all of his promises are yes and amen. And we have promises in the word of God that says that divine healing a supernatural healing is a part of our covenant. Amen. We talked about the ways that we recognize the will of God. One of the first ways that we recognize the will of God is in his written word. Because how many of you guys know this, that <laughs> there's a lot of different opinions in the church. And if we base the will of God off of people's opinions, we're going to come up with 500 different gods and 500 different Jesuses. But if we stick to the original thing, then we're going to stay solid in what we believe. Because there will not be 
another Jesus Christ who walks the earth and dies on a cross. There was only one. The book of Hebrews says that Jesus' sacrifice satisfied God once and for all. It paid for the sins yesterday, today, and forever. Not only ours, but the entire world. So that's why we preach the gospel to the world. That's why we tell them, listen, Jesus has forgiven you, but you must have faith and you must believe in Jesus Christ. Just because the sacrifice was made, people have to take that for themselves. Because we said it last week, everything that God offers, everything that God has that reaches out in grace, everything that he's provided by grace, we take by faith. So in Romans 10, 9, and 10, what it says, if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, I believe and I say, Jesus, you are Lord, that I take the salvation that God is offering to me, right? Because power and life of life and death is in the tongue. So the confession of our mouth is so important. And in regards to healing, it's extremely important. But this message tonight, I, was, I had a couple different things uh, that I was going to talk about. And I was like, God, like, what do you want me to say exactly? And I felt him lead me in a really interesting direction. So um, we're going to talk about a little bit about how faith works. Because I was going to go straight into faith, but he was like, you're forgetting something. Faith works by something. So we're going to get there in just a second. But like we said last week, the will of God is not for people to die. The will of God is not for you to be sick. The will of God is for you to have a long life. That's what the Psalm 91 says. With long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. Salvation is saved, healed, delivered, set free, provided for, at peace. That's what salvation is according to God. Because we said in Psalm 103, do not forget his benefits There's multiple benefits to being a child of God. Psalm 103. There's so many different scriptures that we could go to, but I just, I don't really have time to get to all of them tonight as well. The second thing we said about the will of God is you see the will of God in his word. The second way is in the life of Jesus. So the number one way we find the will of God is in his word. The second way that we find the will of God is in the life of Jesus. Jesus never made anyone sick. And in the book of 1 John, it says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus never made anybody sick. Someone being healthy is not a work of the devil. Someone being sick is a work of the devil. So when Jesus destroyed the work of the devil, that was when he healed the sick. It's so apparent. There's like, I think I have it written down actually here, the number of uh, the times. In the Gospels, at a quick glance, there are 22 specific stories of Jesus healing individuals, and that includes demonic deliverance. Plus, there's multiple stories of multitudes being healed, sometimes three, four, 5,000 people being healed, and every single one of them was healed. It says that Jesus healed them all, not just Jesus healed some, because it's not God's will that some would be healed. It's God's will that all would be healed. Because again, you have to remember, God, God, when it comes to salvation, salvation and healing are the same exact sacrifice. You look in the book of Isaiah, chapter 54, sorry, 53, it says it. He was bruised for our iniquities, right? And it says, by his stripes we are healed. So that sacrifice that he took on the cross took care of the sin problem and took care of the sickness problem, plus other things as well. So to Jesus, forgiving your sins is the same thing as saying you're healed. When Jesus gave you eternal life, he gave you divine health. The problem is we, we look at it, and we talked about this briefly last week, just as a quick reminder. Why is it then that people are sick? Because if it's not God's will that people are sick, we have to look at the fact that people are still sick. People are dying. People have conditions in their body. Okay, well, not everybody's born again. There's this thing called free will. All right? 
people can choose to reject the offering that God has given them. He says, I have given you all things pertaining to life and godliness. That's what he says in his word. So when he gives you Jesus, he says, this is all things pertaining to life, godliness. All things right here. But you can say, nah, I'm good. I don't need that, God. It says that people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, not because of the, the flippant will of God. People are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. The problem is when we don't get into our word, when we don't see that the devil is operating illegally here on earth, putting sickness on people, putting sickness on us, that we're not going to stand up to him. And we said this last week, that the devil is allowed to operate and have dominion over the things that we are silent on. The devil is allowed to have dominion in the areas of our life and the lives of others that we are silent on. The areas that we do not challenge him are the areas that he automatically wins because we have authority over him, according to Luke 10, 19. I've given you authority over serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. So is divine healing, physical healing, part of God's will? Amen. Amen. We must take it by faith. All right, so we're going to talk about this real quick. Um, If you want to open to Romans chapter 1, verses 17, verse 17. We're going to start there tonight, actually. Romans chapter 1, verse 17. If you need a piece of notebook paper, or most of you guys have phones and stuff like that, it looks like. I also have some available up here if you need some. I do not have extra pens, though, so. You do, okay. <laughs> Grandma Connie's got some extra pens. All right, so Romans chapter one, verse 17. We're gonna talk about this. And it's talking about the gospel here in uh, verse, verse 16. Beautiful section of scripture. Some of you guys might have already memorized it. Romans chapter one, I think you guys are all there. Here we go. I'll actually back up to 16, I'm sorry. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who, what? Everyone who believes. The Jew first and also to the Greek, meaning all people. For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous man shall live by faith. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write down Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. And Hebrews 10, 38. Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. Those also make the same exact point, that the righteous man lives by faith. All right? We said it before. Faith is how we apply God's promises, how we apply God's word to our life. Everything that I see in this book has to be mixed with faith. And then I have to speak it out. Because we'll talk about this at a different time. Faith is released through speaking. That's the way that you release faith. I don't just look at this and then go, oh, that's really great. No, Mark chapter 11, verse 22, 23, 24, the verse. you know, <laughs> for all the people that went to Rhema. It's on the logo <laughs> of our college campus. It says that if you will say to this mountain, and do not doubt in your heart, if you will say to this mountain, not if you will stand in front of it and go, well, I wonder when God's going to move. God, where are, where are you, God? Got a mountain right here. God's saying, if you will say to the mountain, be taken up and be cast into the sea and do not doubt in your heart, but believe that those things that you say will come to pass, you will have whatever you say. He says, say three different times, trying to emphasize the point, you have to speak. We have to be speaking. 
one of my professors at Rama said, a silent Christian is a dead Christian. Mm-hmm. A silent Christian is a dead Christian because faith without works is dead. Yeah. I'm not talking about legalism here, not saying that I have, to, I have to try to earn righteousness or I have to try to earn God moving on my behalf. God gave me the authority and God expects me to use the authority. Amen. And the way that I release faith is by speaking. The words that I release are containers. And they're either going to contain faith or doubt, life or death. The words that I'm speaking over every situation in my body and in my life, over my finances, over my business, over my traveling ministry, over my house, over my children, every single thing that I say has an effect. Amen? Amen. Faith is how we apply God's promises to our life. And it says that in Romans 1.17, the righteous man shall live by faith. Our Christian life is not based on a formula. Our Christian life is not based on feelings. And I don't have to manipulate God. I have an active, living relationship with him. And I live based on that faith in his word. That's the thing about this faith that we talk about too. When I look in the Bible, I'm not looking for a formula to try to manipulate and twist God's arm into moving on my behalf. Because I recognize the fact that God is my father and God loves me, Right? God is the perfect father. Michael said it tonight. Some of you guys that don't have a good example of what a father, what a father should be. Because a father, and the kind of father that I need to be to my kids, because I have a five-year-old, a almost three-year-old now, and a one-year-old with my lovely wife. <laughs> Josie's almost five. She thinks that she's like 12, but, you know, <laughs> that's irrelevant. That's just the age that she is, so. <laughs> yeah, wants to drive the car and everything, too, but not yet, honey. Um, in my relationship with my child, if I am parenting the way that God wants me to parent, then I'm going to parent the same exact way God parents me. The effective parent is the one that parents like God. What does that look like? That means that I parent with grace. That I look in the scriptures and I see, how does God deal with me? God deals with me in patience. God's not waiting just to beat me down when I mess up. So when my child messes up and comes to me and says, Daddy, I'm sorry, I I don't go, honey, get out of the house. I'm kicking you out. (laughs) You're done. You're done. I thought you loved me, but obviously you don't, because, you know, you took that cookie. I told you not to take that cookie, and I was watching you do it, and you were looking at me, making sure I saw you do it. Nope, you're done. Get out of the house. Pack your bag. Josie, you are voted off the island. No, no good parent would do that to their kid. So why would God do that to me? God doesn't do that to me. God sent his son because he loved me so much. He said, you, in your messed up state, need a sacrifice. But also, God sees me in my sickness when I was younger, and said, that's not going to work. When one of my kids is, is, is struggling with some kind of sickness or disease in my body, I don't like it. I get frustrated. I'm like, this is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not okay. But we have people accusing God of, of putting sickness on us. That's, and if God is a good father, he wouldn't do that, right? If I, as a good father, let's say like this last winter, it's, it's freezing outside, right? I take Theo and I put him in his diaper and throw him outside in the middle of the winter just to teach him a lesson. Well, I'm just going to let you get sick, Theo, and this is going to teach you a lesson, and you're really going to become more holy from this. You're going to see that, really, I have this great plan that you don't know about. You don't see it yet. You're going to get pneumonia, and you know, you're going to get sick, and you're going to feel awful for a couple days. But really, this is just my grace and my mercy on you. CPS would be called, and I would have my children taken away from me, rightfully so. Rightfully so. If I can't point at God and say, God, if... if If I can't do that, and the Bible says that if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, saying that my love for my children is evil in comparison to how much God loves me. I'm not, what he's saying is like my love for my kid isn't evil. 
it's, it's imperfect love. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's because like God's teaching me how to love people still. God's teaching me how to be patient with my kids. But if God's love is perfect and my love isn't perfect and I understand that I need to take care and protect my kids, how can I point the finger at God and say, well, God, you're just making this person sick just to show your power. God, you're just making this person sick just to show your mercy. God, you're really teaching this person something by giving them cancer. Wow, that's just like, wow, that's, that's great, God. No, that doesn't make, that, that doesn't make any biblical sense. That doesn't make any sense in a court of law. It wouldn't hold up in a court of law, right? right? But we have people saying that God does that all the time. Well, you know, God's just teaching you something. No. I have a 14-year-old cousin who lives in Georgia, and, man, this has been crazy. He's got a special, um, I think it was like last year, like one, like one and a half year ago, um, my cousin sent a message on Facebook, um, and this is like my little, my little cousin, 14-year-old. She said, uh, we took, our, we took our son Seth to the doctor today um, because he had the flu, flu-like symptoms and stuff like that. And she said, um, when the doctor came out of the room, he put his arm around me and took me for a walk. I was like, oh, this isn't good. And he said, when the doctor was walking me down the hallway, he said, listen, uh, listen, Bev, your kid has cancer. And she's like, no, my kid doesn't have cancer. He's got the flu. And he said, no, he's got a type of leukemia. 14-year-old, one of my cousins that I played with when he was like four and five years old in Georgia. At, at, the, at this point, they were in Wisconsin, and then they moved to Georgia to be with their family, right? It was leukemia, right? That's what it was, yeah. So she gets the diagnosis, this is what's going on. And immediately, she goes on Facebook, and she says, this thing's not taking my son out. Because she knows this is not the will of God. Because her instinct is, I have to protect my kid. I'm going to stand in faith until we see it. About a week and a half ago, we got a report that cancer is completely gone. It's been a long road, but he finally, the cancer has finally gone in his body. There's been a lot of people praying for him. God is a healer, and God takes care of his kids. Even when it doesn't look like things are working, things are working behind the scenes. So what I want to talk to you about in this one, we live by faith. We don't live by feelings, because I can't imagine having a 14-year-old kid develop cancer. If I'm living by feelings, then I'm going in that situation, God, where are you? Instead of, devil, you're not killing my kid. You're not taking out my family. We have to stand in our authority. But here's, here's the thing, though. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1, a lot of you guys know this one. It says this. You can turn there if you want, mark it up, because this is a really important thing to understand. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. This is a definition of faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction or confidence of things not yet seen. The word hope there in the Greek means to wait for with joy, full of confidence. It's not talking about, well, you know, I hope God's going to do something. It's an active waiting with joy, full of confidence. It's a confident hope. It's not, I hope that God's going to move on my behalf. I hope that God's going to heal me. I hope that God's going to heal my kid. This hope that we have, it sometimes gets mixed up because in the, American, in the American vernacular, we have a different understanding of what hope is. Like my daughter will run up to me, Daddy, Daddy, I hope we get to go get ice cream today. But if I told her, Josie, we're going to go get ice cream today, her hope is going to be faith, all right? That hope is going to turn into faith. Like, Daddy, when are we getting ice cream? Daddy, can we have ice cream now? Daddy, let's go get ice cream right now. It's, it's that's that switch that happens when your hope becomes faith. When you have faith, 
That's the conviction. I don't see this thing yet, but I'm going to see it. It's mine. I have it. I don't see it naturally, but spiritually it's already been done. So when it comes to the area of physical healing, that's the way that I have to apply faith in my body. That when I'm dealing with something in my body, I don't go, well, God, I hope you're going to do something. I speak to it. And I say, God, this is the truth about my knee. And then if I don't necessarily see something happen right away, I stand in faith. That means that I have confidence that, okay, even though this thing doesn't look like it's getting better, God's word does not fail. The devil can defeat you every single time if he can get you to start getting, like, getting mental with this thing. If he gets you to look off of Jesus and start looking at your situation and understanding. We talked about that last week. Peter's out there walking on the water, and he has his eyes fixed on Jesus, and he's literally walking on water. But the second that he takes his eyes off of Jesus, because that's the devil's tactic, is you get your eyes off of the truth, and then you start looking at the other things. And what you magnify... The thing that you magnify is going to become real to you and is become other, and more real than the other things. So when Peter's looking at the storm, he doesn't even look at Jesus and go, Jesus is helping me walk on water right now. He goes, wow, that's a huge wave. Wow, this is a bad storm. Wow, this thing hurts. I'm not denying that you might be hurting in your body and that somebody in your family might be hurting. Of course, there's that thing happening. But what has to happen is that we believe the word of God over what's going on in our body and in our family. Amen? Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. The conviction, that means confidence, standing under a guaranteed agreement. The word conviction, standing under a guaranteed agreement or a firm foundation. It's not a soft thing. Faith isn't a soft thing. Faith is a firm foundation that we stand under. It says this in the Passion Translation, now faith brings our hopes into reality. Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things that we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is unseen. I love the Passion Translation, it's crazy. It is all the evidence required to prove what is unseen. When somebody says, Josh, you're not healed. Warren, you're not healed. Yes, I am. Well, you don't, you don't look healed, so? Well, you don't feel healed, do you? Righteous don't live by feelings. Righteous live by faith. Amen. Since we live by faith, we have to know how to operate effectively in it. And the first thing that we have to know, turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Underline this. Just like Hebrews chapter 11, 1. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. While we're talking about applying our faith, the promises of God, we have to get this part of it. Because there's battles that we're fighting, that we're losing, that we could be winning. There's things that the enemy is doing that we could be beating right now if we understood this principle. Faith works by love. In Galatians 5, verse 6, it says this, For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. Faith works by and through love. And the first place that you need to check if your faith isn't working in a particular area, check your love walk. Check your love walk. Because there's some of you guys in here that have been believing for something, you've been speaking for something, you've been fighting for something, and you've been declaring something, but it's not happening. And it's easy to just to turn introspectively and just go, well, God, you know, why haven't you done anything yet? God, wow, like, 
I, I couldn't be doing anything wrong. I couldn't be doing anything. It's God, it's, it's just, I don't know what's taking you so long, God. And God's up there going, dude, I wrote it down in the book. <laughs> I wrote it down in the book. <laughs> Come on, pop that thing open and let me show you. <laughs> if your faith is not effective and your faith is not working, check your love walk. Because if I get into my car and there's no gas in it, my car is going nowhere. It's the same principle when it comes to faith. Same exact principle. Faith without works is dead. Faith is also dead without love. Faith without love is dead, ineffective. Will do you no good. So I guess we have to ask ourselves then, <laughs> what is love? And I know typically the first place you'd go is 1 Corinthians 13. Oh, Josh, that's the verse that they say at all the weddings. Of course, that's, that's, that's the attributes of love. But actually, we're going to talk about something a little different, right? Go to 1 John 4, verses 7 and 8. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. And again, underline this, write it down. This is really, really important that you get this. Because the truth of it is one of the first places the devil is going to attack you is your love walk. He's going to try to get you in a fence with other people. He's going to try to get you in a place where you're just like being mad all the time at people and being frustrated. Frustration is not faith. Worry is not faith. Faith is the confidence that I have what I don't yet see. That the things that God says are mine. Yeah. Amen. Amen. 1 John 4, verses 7 through 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God for what? God is love. At its most simple definition, love is God. At its most simple, like stripped down definition, God is love. All right? And if we don't know God, we're not going to love people. Right. So the, 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 this is like the check engine light for your spiritual walk, right? When you guys get in the car and you see that, that awful light like, flicker on, you're like, oh, no, what's going on now? If you and I are struggling in our love walk, we realize I'm being frustrated with these people you know, that I'm working with. Or I'm being frustrated with my wife, with my kids, whatever. That's the check engine light saying, you need to go have a checkup. You need to go into the maintenance department. And my prayer closet is my maintenance department. Amen. My prayer closet, my time alone with God is where God is there, he's just, just tweaking something, he's, he's checking off the oil, he's topping off the fluids, he's putting air in the tires, he's saying, Josh, listen, this is who I've created you to be. You are love, you are patient, you are kind. Don't, don't, don't work by feelings. Because you and I love by faith. We love by faith. Amen. Because the problem is, because we live by faith, right, in the area of salvation. Right? We live by faith in the area of healing, but sometimes you don't live by faith in the area of love. And for us to walk in a faith effectively, I have to lay this foundation for you guys tonight, is that if, if I get this wrong, then I'm going to build a house that's just going to topple and crumble. Because if I see my faith not start working, then that's going to shake everything that I believe. And if I don't get this love foundation right, because Ephesians chapter 3, I think it's around verse 15, 16, it says that we're rooted and grounded in love. We, our foundation is love. We are rooted, grounded, held steady in love, right? 
So that's what it says in 1 John 4, 7 through 8. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. For a long time, I thought this meant that if you didn't love, you weren't born again. That's not what it's saying. That's not what it's saying. You don't know God. What does that mean? You can have an arranged marriage. How many times have we as Christians, you know, and, and I, for me and my own self, like when I believed in God, it was like I had an arranged marriage. Like I was introduced to this person. Okay, this person's going to be your spouse. This person's going to be, I don't know Jesus. I don't know anything about him, but I'm giving my life to him, right? That's the analogy of Christianity is it's a marriage covenant, right? So the two become one. Just like I have a ring on my finger because I'm married to my wife and I'm saying to everyone else, I'm in relationship with somebody. That when I walk, I'm not available for this in my life anymore. I'm not available for any woman because I have one. My relationship with Jesus is the same exact thing. The Bible says that they will know that, you are, you're, that we are his disciples because of our love. Amen. So my love is my wedding ring spiritually. That when I walk around and I love people, that's a sign this guy's in relationship with somebody. Yeah. Because I have this as evidence that I'm in relationship with my wife. Yeah. My love walk is what's going to tell the people this guy's in relationship with God. Amen. This guy knows somebody that we don't know. This guy has something that I want. And that's God. But what happens all too easily sometimes, and I've used the analogy before, but it seems good to say it again, is how many times in life do we just become 007 Christians and do we just, we just go like this whenever we go out of church? We just go. We take off love. Now this will all men know that you are my disciple, that you love one another. But if I'm acting like the world and if I'm, if I'm acting like I don't even know Jesus and I'm acting a totally different way, when I go outside that says I'm not in relationship with anybody. I'm available for whoever. I'm available for whatever. Paul said to his particular church, he said, I desire to present you to Christ as a chaste virgin, one having never been with the world before. What God's desire for you and I to do is not turn on and off love when we, when we feel like it. God's desire is for us to put this thing on and leave it on. That all the time that we're walking in life, every single relationship that I have, I would keep this on. Because this is what's going to tell other people. Because some of my coworkers don't know my, that I have a wife, but they see this and they know. So some people don't know Jesus. Some people don't believe in him. They don't think he even exists. But when I love them, that tells them, that person that you say that you're in a relationship with, I believe you. Because I tell people about my wife. You know, I compliment you all the time. I you know, say, like, oh, my lovely wife or whatever, and I talk, I, just whatever, like, oh, she's great. You know, she puts up with me. I don't know. Like, it, it's, I can be a little bit eccentric sometimes, a little bit much. <laughs> but what happens is I talk to people about my wife. Why? Because I love her, and I'm in relationship with her. But at work, I talk to people about Jesus, and sometimes it drives them nuts. There's a couple of my coworkers that I talk to about Jesus, and like, you know, there's like there's people that I've prayed for at work, and some of my coworkers just get super uncomfortable. Some of the Christian coworkers get uncomfortable. They're just like, well, how come you're praying for this person at work? Because Jesus said to pray for the sick. So if, if this person across the counter from me is sick, I need to pray for that person across the counter. But what if you lose your job? How many jobs are there in the area? God's gonna provide for me. If I'm following God's voice and I lose my job, okay, I'll just get another one. It's fine. It's not the end of the world. God's my provider the last time I checked. Not my job. But the problem is if I trust in my job as my financial security, if I trust in my business as my financial security, and that thing gets taken out from under me, I can't let that shake me. I have to have confidence in God. 
but love is the sign that we are followers of Jesus Christ. All right, now we're gonna go ahead and talk about the fact that um, We're going to talk about the attributes of love real quick, but I don't want to spend a lot of time on there because most of us have heard it already, and you can go ahead and study and look at it a little bit deeper if you want. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 says this, love is patient, love is kind. <laughs> I've heard it come out of my own mouth before, but I don't say it anymore. Man, it's just so hard being patient. Okay, then you're having a hard time being who God's called you to be, and you need to get back in love with God. Sorry, that's just the way it is. <laughs> that's just the way it is. When I go, oh, I don't want to be patient with that person. Oh, so you don't want to, oh, okay. No, <clears throat> wrong answer, <laughs> wrong answer. If I'm not being patient with people, red light, red flag, get back in love with God, get back in relationship with God, get to know God better. Because here's the thing, if I get to know God and I see the way that he sees me, and I see this is the debt that I owed God that I couldn't repay that God forgave me of, when somebody does something to me that's so small, it'll be easy for me to forgive them. Right. Nobody took my son, stripped him naked, beat him to a pulp, ripped all the skin off his flesh, and hung him in the busiest intersection of Jerusalem for all to see. Nobody did that to my kid. So if somebody says something rude to me, do I have a right to hold something against them then? Come on. Jesus, at the end of this whole experience, said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. After having his beard ripped out, lost, you realize that at the end of the crucifixion, he wasn't even bleeding blood anymore. He lost all of the blood in his body. Water came out, because there was no blood left to bleed. Literally, all of the fluid in his body was just pouring out because he had nothing left. They said you couldn't even recognize him as a man because he was so ripped to shreds. It wasn't a good-looking thing that happened to Jesus. And Jesus, at the end of that suffering, hanging on a cross for hours, said, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I'm going to step out of love just because my coworker says that I'm a loser or because my coworker is whispering and talking about me behind my back. Really? I can't do that. Because I'm afraid of what the person next to me might think if I reach across the counter. I had a, I had a guy that was an atheist that I was working with and didn't like the fact that I prayed for people and didn't like the fact that I was a Christian. Was like, eh, yeah, holier than thou, blah, 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 whatever. And like, whatever, like, I'm just gonna show you Jesus. That's my goal. <laughs> so there's a guy that comes in and it was this last winter. He slipped and fell and like really, really badly messed up his hip. He was pushing a cart. He might've been homeless, I didn't ask him, but he was pushing a cart and messed up his hip real bad. So at work, on the clock, at the counter, the guy's standing there, you know, just like making pizza or whatever, and the guy, the guy is like wincing in pain. I'm just like, hey, what's wrong? And he's like, well, you know, I did this, this to my hip. I'm just like, can I pray for you? My coworker's just like, <laughs> I'm just like, calm down, Elijah. It's gonna be okay. Calm down. Calm down. It's gonna be okay. So I reach across the counter and, and I touch this guy, and all of a sudden, just tears fill his eyes, and he starts shaking. I'm just like, God, you're so good, because you know I can't do this, but God can do it. I have somebody who lives inside of me that can heal somebody's body, and. Because faith works through love, if I see people in love, faith is going to naturally rise up and want to reach out and touch them. That's one thing that God spoke to me a while back. I'll finish the story. Don't worry. The people that you're called to, the first thing you have to do, whether that's your job, whether that's your kids, whether that's your spouse, that's your ministry, the first thing you have to do is you have to fall in love with the people that God sent you to. Because if you don't love them, you won't reach out and touch them. Right. 
Well, Josh, I'm afraid to go out and I'm afraid out to, to go out and you know just like present the gospel to people. That's because you don't love people. That's a hard statement. That's because you don't love people. If you fell in love with people, if we fell in love as a church with Gratiot County, with Breckenridge, Alma, St. Louis, talking to myself here, if we fell in love like Jesus loved us, we couldn't pass somebody by without telling them the good news. Because love doesn't take any account of its own. It doesn't seek its own. It's not easily offended. So no matter how they treat me, I don't care. I see them in love. And then faith will rise out of that. And then it has something firm to stand on because it says that Jesus felt compassion on the sick. He felt compassion on the lost because they were like lost sheep without a shepherd. So what happens is as I begin to love that person, as I begin to feel compassion for that person, that's what empowers me to say, dude, let me pray for you. I can't stand seeing you hurting. So I reached across the counter and I prayed for him. He starts crying. And just like after the whole experience was done, my coworker was just like, you're crazy. <laughs> and I'm going, listen, dude, Jesus loves you. And Jesus loves him. The guy didn't get like start shaking and get born again or anything like that, but that seed being sown into that guy's life, that that guy is going to start to wonder, why on earth did that guy, did that kid at a pizza place stop and pray for me and believe that Jesus was going to heal me? Because I'm showing you Jesus is real. Because I'm showing you I'm in relationship with somebody, and this person wants to be in relationship with you as well. Your love walk is so important. The way that you love people, the way that we have relationship with people, so extremely important. Love is patient, love is kind, is not jealous, doesn't brag, is not arrogant, it does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own. Man, that's a tough one sometimes. Love does not seek its own, seeks the best for others. It's not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Bears up under all things, believes all things, hopes all things and endure all things. Love never fails. Love never fails. That's the attributes of love. And that is one of the number one places that the devil will attack you in your life. And again, I'm preaching to myself here too. <laughs> that I have to stay sharp in this area about love. Because if I start messing up here, then that's going to shake my entire foundation on faith. And I've had times before where I'm praying for, like, I'm praying for healing in my own body. I'm praying for whatever, like, whatever finances to come, you know, because we're believing for some big things for this year. I've got a missions trip to Columbia that I'm going to be going on in August. I've got a trip to Canada next week. You know, we're believing for a new vehicle just because, you know, we're going to need a 12-passenger van because we have a lot of kids. So <laughs> that's just the way it goes, you know, so. God said that children are a blessing, and I'm going to get all the blessings I can. Amen. <laughs> so, <laughs> regardless, though, regardless, though, there's been times when I've been believing for something, I've been speaking something, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing it. And what happens is I get frustrated with it. And that's when God told me, and actually through my wife, because, you know, sometimes as much as I'd, you know, not prefer to admit it, my wife is right quite a, quite a bit. And sometimes the Holy Spirit's voice sounds a lot like my wife. So, there I said it. <laughs> Yeah, no problem, no problem. I love you. <laughs> Frustration is not faith. Frustration is not faith. Faith is at rest. Why? Because I have that confidence, that assurance, that with things that I prayed for, they're mine, right? But there's been times, too, where instead of getting frustrated, I start to, like, I start to realize, like, I'm not, I'm not acting very nice to my wife. The second thing that love is is kind. So, well, I'm just not a kind person. Okay, well... Stop. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> is it going to look like, oh, like this mushy-gushy thing? Like, no. Sometimes kindness is correction. Yeah. When I'm parenting my children, sometimes I say, Josie, you can't do that. Theo, you can't hit your sister. You can't do that. That's not, you can't be doing that. But it's kindness because I'm trying to stop something negative from happening to him in the future. Right. right? So my kindness towards other people isn't allowing them to do whatever they want all the time. Sometimes there's a little bit of correction. But if I'm not being kind to people, if I'm not being patient with people, immediately, that's a red flag. Check this out. And while I was studying for this today, too, I felt like God was like giving this impression to me, too, because I feel like some of us in this room, there's battles that we're not, that we're not seeing change. There's things that we're believing for that we're not seeing yet, and God is, God is stopping you tonight saying, check your love walk. Get before God and say, is there somebody I need to forgive? Is there, is there an area in my life where I'm just letting the flesh rule, where I'm just saying whatever I want, I'm doing whatever I want, I'm just, I'm just allowing my flesh to have control? Because the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faith, self-control, if I'm living spiritually, and I'm living spiritual, because that, there's two different things that you can live in your life. If you want, you can just let the flesh just have domination, have control. You'll be mean, you'll be rude, the exact opposite of all the things in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, and what you're gonna do is you're gonna short circuit your faith. You're gonna have a car without any gasoline. So we need to check our love walk tonight. Because as we continue on in prayer and healing school, this is one of the foundations I have to lay, is faith works by love, right? That's so incredibly important. And I have like two more pages of notes, but I have eight minutes left, so I'm not gonna be able to finish tonight. I'll have to probably go to part two the next time that we meet. But um, just a couple more things real quick here. Okay, yikes, I have so much more information. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Go ahead, and, uh, go ahead and go there real quick. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. And again, you probably want to underline this one as well. My Bible is full of underlines and markings and all that kind of stuff just because faith does not come by having heard according to Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by continually hearing. So even if you've heard some of this tonight, I believe that what this is gonna do is this is gonna firm up some things in your life and this is gonna give you some answers. Because a man by the name of Doug Jones was one of my favorite teachers at Rama, and he would hate it when you say favorite teachers, just cause like, no, you can't have favorite teachers, Josh. I'm like, you're still my favorite. Here's a package of Oreo cookies. Cause he loved Oreo cookies. Sometimes we'd stuff them in, his, in the pulpit. In the pulpit. <laughs> Not, well, yeah, well, he didn't like double stuff, actually, because he said it didn't melt quite as good in the milk, you know, and get all. <laughs> Regardless, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> all right, but Romans chapter 5, verse 5. So, Doug Jones, you're amazing. Um, Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says this. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I want you guys to repeat that back with me just because, you know, faith comes by hearing. So, the love of God has been poured out in my heart by the Holy Spirit. The love of God has been poured out in my heart through the Holy Spirit. You already have the ability and the capability to love the way that God loves. That was a huge revelation to me when I found it. Because again, I thought this is just something I have to do by like, it's not a thing we do by feeling, it's a thing we do by faith. Amen. 
So when it says that the love of God has been put in my heart, when I don't feel like I'm loving somebody well, I have to remind myself this is the truth about it, that God's love lives in me right now. I don't have to ask God for love. I don't have to have an impartation of love. I already have love. I have to use what's already inside of me and begin to grow in that. Because, you know, love and faith and all these things, think of it like a muscle, right? If I go and work out, my muscles are going to get stronger, all right? Since Warren, my father-in-law over here, he's, he worked out, what was your max bench press? <laughs> what was your max, like, in your, in your glory days? A lot. A lot. <laughs> it was a lot, right? Let's say, let's say he did, like, like, 300 pounds or something. Was it higher than that? Oh, yeah. Okay, it was higher than that. Wow, Okay. My max was around 200 pounds because I played soccer in college. So for me, I didn't really need like a big upper body because like I, I wanted to develop different areas of my life, right? I wanted to develop different, different muscle groups in my life. You have the same exact muscles that I do. And what this is saying here, that God put this thing inside of you. The problem is sometimes we're not developing what God gave us. So God gives you the same muscles that Warren has over here. He's just developed them. That's how he can sit underneath a bench press and do 300 pounds, and I can't because I haven't put focused attention on that area of my life. So what we need to do tonight is we need to put focused attention on our love walk and on ourselves and say, okay, God, where am I, what do I need to do to develop this right here? Faith is a, it's, it, love is a choice. It's not a feeling. We do it by faith. So the next time we encounter something that's wrong, that gives me an opportunity to work out my faith going, okay, I'm going to be patient with this person. I'm going to be kind with this person. I'm not going to hold a grudge against this person. I'm going to forgive them. And that's you working out the muscle of love in your life. Amen. And eventually those things won't even be hard anymore. Because if I go out there and take like a 25 pound weight, I can pop off a 25 pound weight. But if I put my five year old out there, she can't lift a 25 pound weight because she's not developed yet. But if she starts to train when she gets a little bit older and can start lifting weights, she can get to the point where she lifts a 50 pound weight, 75 pound weight if she wants to. Your faith, your love is developed, right? So that's what happens here is we ask God on a daily basis, okay, stop me if I'm doing something out of love. Stop me if I'm doing something wrong. Hit my heart and say, Josh, that's not okay, that's not love. Because I don't want anything in my life to subvert my faith and to start to, start to try to knock out the legs from underneath my faith, right? I'm not talking about legalism, like God's up there just waiting to go like, eh, no faith for you, <laughs> you can't make that mountain move. But the devil knows where to poke at us to make us ineffective. Because that's the thing. And the Bible says we're not unaware of his devices. We're not unaware of the battle plan that he has against us. And one of the primary ways that he will do it is attack us and say, be offended with this person. No, I'm not going to be offended with this person. I can be offended with that person. So say it one more time. I, I have, the have the love of God in my heart, in my heart. Because, of the Holy Spirit. because of the Holy Spirit. Let us always live that way. I'll go ahead and pray real quick. We'll finish a couple minutes early, which I don't think I've ever said that before while I'm preaching. <laughs> um, and since we have finished a little bit early tonight too I don't know if, if there's anybody who's like dealing with any kind of like physical thing in their body um, we, typically, we didn't pray for any of the sick last week as well but if there is, uh, is if there is something in your body or if there's somebody that you know that needs physical healing in the body please bring them because we believe you know the things that we've been learning that God is going to show examples of yes. amen so um, if that is you and if you need like something, uh, if you're believing for some physical healing in your body, feel free to come up uh, to um, you know, myself or I think my wife's actually taking care of the baby right now. 
Um, and then uh, I'll go ahead and pray for you, you know, stand in faith and believe with you. And uh, if there's other people that want to help stand in faith as well, awesome. We're going to do that. So um, I'll go ahead and pray real quick, and then uh, you guys will be dismissed. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word tonight that you brought forth. God, that love is the primary thing we need to be focused on. You said in your word, Lord, in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, that faith, hope, and love remain, but the greatest of these is love. So God, I ask that you would help us to refine, develop the love that we have for other people. God, that you would begin to show us in our times in prayer and in our times with you and as our times of, in our times of study, God, show us how much you love us, but show us how much you love other people so that we can begin to engage them, that we can begin to speak to them in ways that are loving, in ways that are kind, ways that are patient. So Father, I thank you that you have given us love, that you've given us the tools, you've given us the means necessary to develop that. And God, throughout the week, I thank you for protecting um, everyone at this church in amazing grace. God, send people across our path that we can minister the gospel to. God, help us to realize and make the most of every opportunity. God, thank you for anointing us, just like you anointed Jesus with the same Holy Spirit. That God, when we lay hands on the sick, that they will recover. That when we command a demon to come out, it will come out. God, that if we drink or eat any deadly thing, it will not harm us, that we will speak with new tongues. And I thank you, Father, for all the promises in your word, that they are yes and amen. God, we declare boldly tonight, you are a healer, you did it before, you will do it again, and you are doing it right now in this place, in our bodies. So, Father, we thank you, and we love you. Amen. You guys are dismissed. Thank you. And uh, don't forget, the I think it's the ninth, um, is the next prayer and healing school. We have first Thursday, next Thursday, and then we have a little bit of a break. My wife and I are going to, well, I'm going to Canada, and then uh, we're actually going down to Oklahoma for the graduation at Raymond Bible College. Uh, my wife's little sister and her husband are graduating this uh, School after that one, um, it's the 9th and I think it's the 30th, but I have to double check the dates real fast too, so.